More people every day are ditching animal products, embracing plant-based foods, and speaking up for what matters. With my experience as an international instructor for vegan nutrition and an award-winning author, I interview experts, innovators, and celebrities about the global movement towards a plant-based future. Do you want to learn how to combat the injustice in our food system affecting your health, the animals, and the planet? Well, you're in the right place. It all starts here with eating like you give a damn. Welcome to the Eating Like You Give a Damn podcast, the place to discover your passion for plant-based living one bite at a time. I'm your host, Stephanie Harder. It's no secret, heart disease is the number one killer of Americans. But did you know that according to the World Health Organization, it's the number one preventable killer in the world? As we heard in Episode 7, signs of trouble with the heart can start as early as in our 20s and from the most unsuspecting of places in our bodies. Most of us have several loved ones at risk or who have already suffered a heart attack. I know I have loved ones who have, and they describe it as the scariest thing they've ever experienced. I'm so grateful that they're still with us because of emergency medical intervention, but not everyone is so lucky. And it's my passion to share that we only have this one life. So why gamble with it? We hear that smoking, exercise, and diet are all main factors that can make or break our hearts. And when diet is such a big factor, what exactly does the best diet for the heart look like? Well, here to break it down for us bite for bite is vegan cardiologist Dr. Heather Shankman, who's a practicing interventional cardiologist in Tarzana, California, and serves on the board of directors for the California chapter of the American College of Cardiology. And she's the author of the book, The Vegan Heart Doctor's Guide to Reversing Heart Disease, Losing Weight, and Reclaiming Your Life. While she performs complex angioplasties to open up clogged arteries, she prefers to help her patients reduce their risk of heart disease through a healthy lifestyle, including a plant-based diet and regular exercise. She herself is an avid athlete, having completed over 100 events of various distances, from sprint triathlons to Ironman distance triathlons, marathons, and ultramarathons, and several 100-mile century cycling events. Phew! You are really going to dig our conversation because we cover why most doctors don't communicate the power of a plant-based diet to their patients and the injustice we see in the healthcare system related to that. The problem with the food that hospitals and schools provide, how it impacts you and the people that you care about, and you'll be really surprised to hear what's being done about it. How exactly Dr. Shankman counsels her patients on diet to improve their quality of life, and what a healthy vegan breakfast, lunch, and dinner looks like, and you'll even hear about what she eats and how she exercises while currently 35 weeks pregnant. Dr. Shankman also gives us an honest look at whether or not vegans are at risk of a cardiac event while setting the record straight on what a healthy diet looks like. And before we get going with the interview, I want you to know about a book I wrote for you if you're veg curious 
or are new to plant-based living, it's called the skinny on eating like you give a damn, how to embrace a plant-based diet, combat injustice, and be a rebel for compassion one bite at a time. This book is a practical roadmap to help you get from what you're currently eating to eating plant-based, even if you could never imagine giving up your favorite foods that come from animals. You get my best health tips, some of which I teach in an online vegan nutrition health coach certification course, as well as how to handle social situations, including friends and family who don't always understand why we would rebel against what's considered normal. As a bonus, you get my downloadable plant-based food guide, and a portion of the book sales goes to helping the animals at Florida Rescue Farm. The Skinny on Eating Like You Give a Damn can be found online wherever books are sold, or simply go to eatinglikeyougiveadam.com forward slash book to order your paperback or Kindle copy today. Now it's time to listen with an open heart. Here's the interview with Dr. Heather Shankman. What's up, Doc? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited that you're here. Vegan cardiologist. I know that's definitely not a term that most people hear in the mainstream. So I'm really excited that you actually market yourself as a vegan cardiologist. Thank you for that, first of all, because Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of wisdom that people are going to be able to extract from this conversation that really gives them an idea as to maybe why all cardiologists should be vegan. (laughs) Right, right. There's more and more of us each day, fortunately, but still not enough. Yeah. Well, thank you for being one of the pioneers. That's really awesome. What I like to do in the beginning with my guests is start to peel back the layers a little bit to how you ended up on this journey towards finding your way to becoming vegan and eating a fully plant-exclusive lifestyle. So tell us a little bit about your background. Like, you know, how did you grow up? What was your mindset about health and food and And how'd you end up on this journey to becoming a vegan cardiologist? It's certainly not where I thought I would necessarily end up. I've always wanted to be a doctor. That's never been a question in my mind. I was like the little kid in kindergarten running around saying I'm going to be a doctor so that I can play with people's brains. I didn't ultimately end up being a neurosurgeon or a neurologist, but you know, I, I knew from a young age I was going to probably end up being a doctor. Um, I became a vegetarian when I was in high school. And it was much because I loved animals. It just made sense to me. If I wouldn't kill an animal, why would I eat an animal? Um, And I continued as a vegetarian as I went through college and through medical school, not really thinking much about the health aspects of a plant-based diet, but just knowing that just was the way that I wanted to eat and it felt right. Um, during my residency, I know that like on late nights, I'd be walking around like with a bottle of a 20 ounce bottle of Coca-Cola in, in one of my lab coat pockets. That I'd stay awake. So certainly not the healthiest of diets. And, you know, a piece of pizza in the middle of the night certainly wasn't. It was actually a fairly frequent thing. But anyways, <laughs> as I progressed in my cardiology training in particular and started learning more about the work of Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn and Dr. Dean Ornish, that a plant-based diet could reverse heart disease, which I was studying to be a cardiologist at that time. It just, it made more sense to me. Plus some of the aspects of a 
know, how animals are treated to produce the dairy and the eggs. So I, you know, I went from being a lacto-ovo vegetarian to being on a, a plant-based vegan diet at that point. And that's where I've been since. And just the more that I've practiced cardiology, the more I've seen just how important diet is and lifestyle and exercise and stress is in how people can live with their illnesses or prevent these illnesses. Mm -hmm. Now, what exactly was it that got your attention in, you know, when you were talking about you were a teenager, you became vegetarian and you just kind of made this connection. Well, if I wouldn't kill an animal, I would I won't eat an animal. So right. was there something particularly that you saw that kind of helped you make that connection? Because I mean, you didn't grow up vegetarian. So how did that happen? No, I definitely didn't grow up vegetarian. We Chicken McNuggets were like a staple growing up. Um, oddly enough, my my younger brother at 10 years old came home from school one day after dissecting chicken wings. And he said, I don't want to eat chicken anymore. We had like, my mom had brought home all this good McDonald's stuff for us. My brother was like, no, I'm not going to eat it. And I was kind of a terrible sister. I was 13. I was three years older than him. And I gave him all sorts of grief over it. I was like, why aren't you eating meat? You know, and I'd say, I'm going to go meet my friend at Taco Bell and we're going to go eat meat. I mean, I was, I was such a mean sister about the whole thing, but you know, it was something that he, he felt that way. And he started getting some of this literature to the house. Like I know he joined PETA and, you know, we started getting some of that to the home and I started looking at it and seeing, you know, where, where our animal foods were coming from. And I thought, I don't want to agree with my younger brother, but maybe he's on to <laughs> something. And and I went vegetarian at that time. Um, my brother at the same, I'm sorry, my father at the same time went vegetarian. The reason that he went vegetarian that, at that time is because my brother was having a bar mitzvah coming up. And as part of the bar mitzvah, you wear certain garments that are made of leather. And mm -hmm. my brother said, I don't want to wear these things. Um, they happened to be hand-me-downs from my grandfather. So the cow had been dead for a very long time. But my brother said, no, I don't want to do it. So my father bargained with me, said, look, if you will just wear these things for your bar mitzvah, um, I will go vegetarian for a year. Um, that was over 30 years ago at this point. So um, and then my mother went vegetarian. So our whole family was vegetarian at that point. And my whole you know, they, they remain to this day vegetarians. Wow. So, so much for the whole year thing, right? It just stuck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really good news to hear. So uh, holidays with your family probably aren't as stressful as the average vegan then, huh? No, definitely not. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. So awesome. So, and then you ended up uh, finding out later that a whole food plant-based lifestyle is probably what you needed to be leaning more towards. So where did you find out that information? I know you mentioned Dr. Ornish and Dr. Esselstyn before, and mm -hmm. at what point in your journey did you really start to uncover that and start implementing the whole foods into your lifestyle? That was really during my first and second year of cardiology fellowship. I started you know, looking at some of their research and saying, you know, we, we give medications and we put in stents and we do all these things to medically treat these illnesses, but we can really prevent them or we can be very powerful at controlling them if we're able to provide patients with the right diets. So um, that became part of 
who I was as, as a physician. And I would start, I started talking more and more to my patients about, about their diets and about food choices and about exercise and the things that I felt like weren't necessarily considered to be really hot topics, but things that, you know, there was great research to show had great benefit to mm -hmm. help our patients, simple, simple things like the food that you eat as opposed to some fancy pill. Right. And then why do you feel like in the medical community that not many doctors are actually communicating this research with their patients? I think there's a few reasons why um, a lot of doctors might not communicate this research with their patients. I think one big reason is that a lot of us are, we're human ourselves. We have our own our own ingrained dietary patterns. And a lot of my physician colleagues, they, they like their, their meat and their dairy. And these are things that they're, they're used to eating. Um, the other thing is they may not be aware. Um, there's ever since, I think Forks Over Knives, the movie was really a turning point because I think that really got the word out. And I'm hearing more and more now in the past few years from my physician colleagues who are becoming aware of this data. And, and you know, they're, they're reading like Michael Greger's book, How Not to Die, or they've seen Forks Over Knives, or their patients have brought them a copy of Esselstyn's book um, on preventing and reversing heart disease. And it's getting them thinking as well. So I think it's starting to catch on more. I think more physicians are aware of the power of plant-based eating. And that's really good to hear. I know uh, I recently had Ronnie Tsunami on, on the show, that's episode five, and he was talking about how he uncovered this whole food plant-based lifestyle after being afflicted with so many ailments and the doctors really couldn't you know, help him out. I and mean, he ended up being bedridden, but when he watched Forks Over Knives, and he started implementing eating more fruits and vegetables and just, you know, kicking meat, dairy and eggs to the curb like he was miraculously, you know, healed. He just reversed everything that was going on. He went back to his doctor and the doctor told him that he himself, you know, still eats meat and didn't think that with his cultural background, because he's Hawaiian, didn't think that with his cultural background that, you know, he would really take to a vegan lifestyle. Hmm. And I, I just find that so interesting that um, that that would come from a from a doctor. And mm -hmm. well, do you see that there's sort of like maybe there's an injustice there somehow in the medical community? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I think you know. And, and Kim Williams, I know he's he said this at the American College of Cardiology conference that I attended a few years ago. Don't let your culture hold your health hostage. And I think it's it's totally an injustice to say, oh, this person comes from such and such place. They're not going to be able to eat plant-based. Um, where I am in Los Angeles, we have a, a large Armenian community. We also have a large Filipino community, for example. And those are both cultures where animal products and meat are often a large part of the diet. And yet I have patients from both of those cultures who are avid followers of a plant-based diet. So it's not impossible. Right. And I mean, and, and doctors are the ones with all the clout, right? And I know that that comes from, you know, many, many years of, um, you know, like I, th I think back to like when my grandparents were being brought up, my parents, you know, the doctor was the person that had all of the answers. Mm -hmm. So if all the doctors do have the answers as far as, you know, diet and lifestyle are concerned, I, you know, it just seems like every patient has the right to hear that message and then choose for themselves how they want to handle their medical situation based on what the doctor says. Would you agree? 
I would absolutely agree. I mean, I'm going to provide the information to my patients. I mean, there may be a patient here and there and says, you know, doc, I really don't see myself becoming a vegan. Um, and I'll say, well, first off, I want to give you that information. But that said, you know, we, we're not always talking the absolutes. Any step that you can take in the direction to eat more plant-based, you're going to get benefits for your health. I love that. So uh, for for listeners that are probably a little concerned about, you know, heart disease, because it is our number one killer here in America, particularly. Mm-hmm. So this is this is an amazing field that you are in as a plant-based doctor and teaching this nutrition. So tell us a little bit about, okay, so what is heart disease? Break it down for us. You know, who's at risk? Is it hereditary? Tell us more about that. All right. Heart disease is a, a very, very broad topic, and, and it can include problems that somebody is born with, or it can be problems that are acquired later in life. As a cardiologist who treats, treats adults, the majority of what I take care of are those diseases that are acquired later on in life. And most commonly, that would be coronary artery disease, which is plaque that builds up within the arteries of the heart. And that can cause all sorts of things like what we call angina, which is heart-related chest pain. It can cause heart attacks. It can cause congestive heart failure. It can cause sudden cardiac death. So the consequences of um, heart disease, specifically coronary artery disease, are, are very significant. Mm-hmm. And now who's most at risk for this? Um, there are traditional risk factors for heart disease. Um, there are the things that we cannot change, like male gender. Men tend to get heart disease or coronary disease at younger ages. Um, and genetics. If you've got a, a mother or father or a sibling who had a heart attack or a stroke at a young age, we'd say a man under the age of, of um 50-year-old woman under the age of 60, you're going to be at a, at a higher risk. But that said, just because you have that genetic predisposition doesn't mean that you are destined to develop a heart attack or coronary artery disease. The risk factors that are modifiable that you could change, first of all, smoking, that's a big one. You know, quit, quitting smoking is very potent in helping to reduce the risk of, of heart disease. Um, eating a healthy diet, plant-based diet definitely goes a long way to greatly reduce the risk of heart disease, making sure your blood pressure is under good control, making sure your cholesterol numbers are under good control, which both of those are much a function of lifestyle as well. Managing the stress in your life, um, getting regular exercise as well, very potent in reducing the risk of heart disease. And then like who's, who's, okay. So you mentioned like men are at risk of getting it sooner. Now, is it is there a point where it sort of reaches like it's a little too late for them if they're considering you know starting to switch up their diet and lifestyle now and being like oh, I should probably start eating plant based? I would say it's never too late to make positive choices. And certainly there can, there is damage that is done from years of poor diet and smoking and lack of exercise, but there is always benefit from making change. You can always get benefit. And then, uh, you know, so we talked about men versus women. We talked about the age ranges. Now, what about like different cultures and ethnicities? Do you see like maybe more of a correlation there? I know that there's probably more um, cardiovascular disease um, and diabetes as well amongst Southeast Asians at younger Mm -hmm. ages. And some of that may be genetic, some of that may be cultural in terms of, of the diet, which can have a lot of a lot of dairy in it and a lot of coconut oil. 
but there's there's one definite cultural difference because um, Southeast Asians tend to have more heart disease, even in people who aren't necessarily heavy or obese. So, and now you teach a whole person approach to health. Talk a little bit about what that looks like. Well, when I'm evaluating a patient, of course, I want to know what their symptoms are. I want to know what their history is. But as part of every like initial evaluation of a patient, we always talk about diet. I want to know what they're eating. I want to know where they're getting that food from, who's preparing it. And I also want to know about their, their exercise habits or how active they are in their daily living. And those are very, very important aspects to my, my care for them because if their diet and their lifestyle are not ideal and they're not as healthy as they should be, then there are definite steps that we need to take and definite things we need to talk about to help improve their health. And so, and then you wrote a book, which I uh, introduced everybody to in your bio earlier, so the Vegan Heart Doctor's Guide to Reversing Heart Disease, Losing Weight, and Reclaiming Your Life. Now, is there a particular reason why, as a doctor, you decided to write that book at this point in your career? Or Tell me more about that. Well, it took me seven years to write that book. It, it was a long process. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to put onto paper like what I wanted to convey to my patients. If you didn't have an opportunity to sit down in a room with me, like what do I want my patients to know? And I really break the book up into, into three sections. The first section is what is heart disease? Because I really want my patients to be educated. If they've been told they've had a heart attack or if they've been told they've had a stent or they've been told they have high blood pressure, I want them to understand what that is and why why that's important. The next part of the book, I, I talk about exercise and movement and how to start exercising. And then I talk about diet. Um, and I talk about the power of a plant-based diet to prevent and reverse heart disease. Um, so, you know, these are the key things that I want my patients to know. And do, do you typically see like most of your patients, they receive this information, like they're really open and willing to want to make these changes for their long-term health? I think there are a lot of patients who we may not realize are more motivated than we think and we give them the information and they soak it in and they want to make the changes and they do make the changes. Uh, and, and nobody's like kicking and screaming along the way because I'm assuming that by the time they make their way to you, they've probably already had maybe a scary event or something that's um, that that's really hitting home for them emotionally because they're realizing their own mortality. I mean, is that most of the patients that you see? Um, it's, it's a lot of the patients that I see. Um, as an interventional cardiologist, I do angioplasty. So I will meet a lot of patients in the throes of a massive heart attack. Um, and I can tell you that I've had situations where I take the patient emergently with my team to our cardiac catheterization laboratory, and I open up a blocked artery, put a stent in, and save their life. And at the end of the procedure, they're still on the procedure table. And they say, Doc, what, what happened? And and I'll explain you've had a heart attack and I'll talk about diet and being a risk factor and lack of exercise and, and whatnot. And they'll say, well, what, what can I do? And you know, I'll say, have you ever heard of plant-based diets? And I'll get all sorts of responses. One patient recently said, well, well, my, my wife and my daughter are vegans. And I said, okay. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's been one as well since his heart attack. It's been over a year and he's doing very well. For example. Oh man, that's really good to hear. Very awesome. 
So, uh, so now I'm, I'm, I'm really curious too, since you mentioned like, you know, okay, so he's had this event and he, you know, now he's vegan, but what, what about from the vegan community? Have you ever had uh, a vegan patient have a cardiac event with you? I'm only asking because I know that, you know, vegan doesn't always equal healthy right. Right. day. We have so many, um, alternative foods that are great for transitioning. And I know Dr. Michael Greger, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, he, teaches like, this is a great way to transition if you're right. having a hard time just letting go of these, you know, meat, dairy, and egg foods. But now we're kind of in this pickle where mm -hmm. uh, we seem to still kind of associate vegan with health. Right. And as I've thought about your question, the answer is, is yes, I have taken care of vegans who have had coronary issues. Um, I can remember a couple of years ago, um, I, I saw a guy in the hospital who had chest pain and I was very suspicious that something was going on. He says, no, no, doc, I, you know, my, my heart's fine. Just let me go home. You know, I'm a vegan. I watched Forks Over Knives. I'm, you know, I'm okay. Um, his vegan diet wasn't necessarily the most ideal of diets. It had a lot of, a lot of fried foods in it, a lot of, a lot of things that aren't necessarily what we consider to be whole and plant-based, but they, they would be vegan. And as mm -hmm. it so happened, he had a 95% blockage of the left anterior descending, which is what we call the widow maker artery. I mean, it was it was pretty tight. I mean, I opened up the blockage and since then he's, he's been a whole food plant-based um, devotee and he's done very, very well. Fantastic. And now, of course, I know a lot of uh, listeners are still sort of wrapping their mind around what whole food plant-based is. Mm -hmm. So for those listeners that are still sort of new to this whole idea of whole food plant-based, can you explain a little bit about what that looks like in terms of meals? So what does like breakfast, lunch, and dinner look like? Right. Well, a whole food plant-based diet is a type of vegan diet. You have to keep in mind that vegan diets can include Coca-Cola potato chips, Twizzlers, and those are vegan foods and no animal died to make them, but they're not health foods. A whole food plant-based diet is a diet that is consisting of mostly unprocessed foods that, that come from the ground, that don't come from animals. And what that can consist of is, is so, there's such a vast variety of things that one can eat within that that category of being whole food plant-based. Um, I can kind of give an example of what, what I eat in a given day. For me, breakfast, um, I'll have like a, a banana with some almond butter on it for breakfast, um, along with um, coffee with soy milk. And then, at, then I'll go work out and then I'll have my second breakfast, which is typically like a huge bowl of oatmeal with some fruit and some chia seeds and hemp seeds. Um, lunch can be like a huge salad with lots of interesting vegetables and maybe some cut up tofu um, or some cut up tempeh with like a, a miso dressing on it. And then dinner might be a stir fry or a pasta, which is loaded up with, with lots of veggies or or beans. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I also understand that you're an ultra marathon runner and an Ironman triathlete too. Yes, I um, I have done two Ironman distance triathlons. I've probably done a hundred plus endurance events of various distances, whether they be built or ultra marathon that I ran a couple of years ago or marathons or century cycling races or triathlons of all distances. I am not currently training for anything right now because I'm 35 weeks pregnant, but I still, I still exercise every morning just about before I go to work because it, it makes me feel good. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've done a lot of, a lot of endurance stuff. 
Sure. So, and I, I definitely want to get into your uh, talking about your pregnancy too, because uh, so you're you're still exercising though, because I I, I know I've seen that online, yes, <laughs> which is yes. great. So you keep an, you keep a pretty rigorous exercise routine on top of eating, um, you know, a whole food plant based diet. So, uh, you know, whether you know at, from an athletic perspective and from a perspective of you know being newly pregnant. I know that there's probably listeners that would really love to know more about that as far as the nutrition is concerned, because there's still some misconception or maybe people just aren't aware that, you know, a vegan diet, um, particularly mostly whole foods is super nourishing for babies. So Absolutely. let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So first off, um, you can know that, that a vegan diet is very healthy for all stages of life. The American um, Academy of Nutrition's and Nutrition and Dietetics actually put out a position paper on on vegetarian and vegan diets, and they state very clearly in their like first few sentences that a, a vegan diet is appropriate for all stages of of life, including pregnancy, including lactation, including infancy, um, childhood, and adulthood, and be and you know it being an elderly adult. So it's definitely healthy for all stages. I've I've been vegan plant-based for almost 15 years so you know, I, I hear from people they ask me well gosh haven't you craved meat it's like no i haven't eaten meat in like 30 years so years why would i start craving it now um uh, so i i will admit like in the first trimester i would say maybe from like week seven through even into the second trimester like week six 16, I had pretty miserable morning sickness, but I think a lot of people have that regardless of what kind of diet you have. But otherwise, sure. like I've felt really good. Like I've, you know, I've, I've maintained good, healthy, appropriate weight gain throughout my pregnancy. And I've, I've had mm. a, for the most part, I've had, a, I've had a pretty good pregnancy outside of the morning sickness. Like I'm, I'm 35 weeks. I still have a lot of energy, surprisingly. Um, I'm still, I'm still working out at Barry's boot camp, which is a pretty vigorous exercise. I've, I've kind of said to myself, you know, there's going to be a point that's going to come when I can't run or sprint on the treadmill. And I'm still sprinting on the treadmill. And I mean, I'm not as, I'm not as fast as I was before I was pregnant, but like, I'm still doing it. I still feel good. So I'm going to just keep doing it. I just asked my OB today, like, is it okay if I keep running? And she says, if you feel good, keep doing it. So nice. So you're like superhuman right now, basically. <laughs> I guess it's kind of funny because I, you know, my, my big belly and I, we, we come into, into class and I get on the treadmill and I start sprinting and people look at me, they're like, you're amazing. Like, I don't know, I, I, I feel good. <laughs> now, as far as your calorie intakes, I know that, you know, as, as, as women, when we become pregnant, we've got to, you know, increase our calorie intake, not, not necessarily like protein specifically right. or certain macronutrients. Right. But so, so what is, what is the uh, calorie intake look like um, as far as like what you're experiencing right now, like from how you were eating to what you're eating now? Um, I probably eat a little bit more. I know that at least scientifically, when you're in your third trimester of pregnancy, it's recommended you get about 500 calories extra per day. Um, I don't, I, maybe in the past I did when I was a little more serious about my athletics, I did use my fitness pal and I counted like every calorie at this point. I don't, I just, I just listen to my body. If I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm not hungry, I don't eat. And I've just kind of just intuitively listened to my, to my body and I've, I've done okay. I've done, you know, fine. 
Sure. And I know that you've had that one person that's asked you about like, you know, if you were craving any meat and I can certainly understand why you wouldn't being a long-term vegetarian, but um, have you experienced any other particular cravings? Um, You know, I've I've probably craved carbohydrates a little bit more and cereal. Um, That's really been about it. I haven't like had any great crazy cravings for pickles or anything like that. <laughs> no weird, like, you know, combination of pickles maybe in your vegan ice cream. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> so being that you have, uh, you know, been training right before and, and that you are pregnant now, like between like, you know, just being a cardiologist training as a, a triathlete, currently being pregnant, what would you say are the most questions that you get from not, not like just patients, but like just from everyday people? Um, you know, I get, I get a lot of questions about whether being on a plant-based diet is a disadvantage to being an athlete. And I would actually probably say it's an advantage. Um, I've always felt that I've recovered better than my teammates who eat what would be considered to be an omnivorous standard American diet. Um, so my most recent Ironman um, triathlon, which was uh, just for the audience to know, an Ironman triathlon is a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bike ride, followed by a 26.2 mile run that you do all in one day. Mm. Um, two days later, I was I was swimming in the pool laps. I was, I was feeling pretty good, whereas I have teammates who just were lying on the couch for the week afterwards, just sore and in pain. Oh yeah, I can imagine. And there's even some literature now that supports what a lot of us vegan athletes have have thought for years, that Mm -hmm. plant-based diets are beneficial for recovery from endurance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'm sure you know that um, that there's a film coming out actually highlighting that with a lot of top uh, athletes, the game changers. Yes. Yes. So that's going to be a really, I think that's going to be one of the most important films of our time, just like we've seen with Forks Over Knives and some of the other films that have come out yeah. um, related to health, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see Game Changers. I know I was, um, I talked to James Wilkes when he was just starting the production of it. And I think he, he actually came with me to one of my events and he filmed me doing a half marathon on trails um, as it turned out, like he changed directions with the film and he got like amazing funding and he got some like huge names to, to be part of it. So I'm not part of the film, but I, I'm really like the people he's, he's got who he's filmed, like, um, like Nimai Delgado. I mean, I, I'm pretty excited to see what he's come up with. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be so much fun. I know that <laughs> Dave and I, uh, first learned about it when I went to see, uh, Dr. Gregor talk uh, here in Florida and, um, <laughs> As soon as Dr. Gregor told me about the Game Changers coming out, we've just been like literally online every couple of weeks trying to figure out when it was going to be released because there was this big question for like over a year of when it was actually going to be released. And it just seemed like they kept pushing it back. And and I know it's going to make for an incredible film, but man, we've been on on the edge of our seats, like waiting for that release date. So we're so excited that it's finally come out um, and we have our tickets to go see the the premiere, which is really cool. Very exciting. So then tell me, how do you uh, talk to your patients as far as like making the transition goes? Because I'm sure that they probably hammer you with a lot of questions. So what what do you 
you know, how much time do you get to spend with them? What do you say to help them make that transition for their health? Well, it's, it's tough because I, I keep a pretty busy schedule and I don't necessarily have like an hour to outline a full diet plan for a patient. But I always like even even follow up visits, I always ask about diet and exercise and I'll start by finding out where a patient is at right now. Like, tell me, what did you eat for breakfast today? What did you have for lunch? What did you have for dinner? What did you drink with your beverages? What did you drink with your meals? Where did you get your meals from? Um, I will touch on the fact that plant-based diets really have very potent evidence for, for preventing and reversing heart disease. And kind of, I'll try to get into some of the things that they're eating and see if we can change them up to be a little bit healthier. For example, I have one patient who was struggling with her blood pressure and her weight, you know, what's breakfast? Well, you know, it's on the go. It's, it's a croissant and a, and a black coffee. Okay. Maybe we can change that, that croissant up to maybe like a, a banana with peanut butter on the way out the door, or maybe some instant oatmeal with a little bit of fruit. Like yeah, that's an, an easy swap that we can make. Um, there are great resources that are that are out there that I try to refer my patients to as well, because I can't necessarily formulate a whole meal plan for them. Like I'll send them to, for example, Forks Over Knives, which has an incredible website and database of recipes. Um, or if they want to know more details about kind of the, the whys of certain aspects of, of plant-based nutrition. I'll send them to Michael Greger's website, nutritionfacts.org um, to look at stuff there. Um, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, their website has lots of great resources and they actually make a, a vegetarian starter kit, which is a, a brochure that's about, I think about 12 pages long that I love to give my patients on their way out the door. So, you know, this is this is the diet that I recommend for you. Take a look at this. and. It's a great launching point for them. And then at every follow-up, I'll find out how, how they're doing with their eating habits and see how we can further improve. But again, I never rule out that anybody is totally uninterested in eating a plant-based diet. I really do believe that everybody has some capacity to change how they eat and some willingness to if they understand why it will benefit them. Granted, I'm not, I'd am not. i love to get all my patients to go plant-based vegan, but I don't know that I'm going to ever get to that point, but I certainly can can get them in that direction or at the very least improve how they're eating. Yeah. Another thing that I've noticed helps is that um, veganism and plant-based diet has become much more popular and there are much more people eating that way than perhaps 10 years ago when I first started practicing cardiology. Right. So when I talk about plant-based eating, half the time I've got a patient who says, Oh, you know, I, my, my granddaughter is a vegan and she's been giving me a hard time and trying to get me to eat tofu or they've got somebody in their life who is on a plant-based diet who they can use for, for guidance. That's really great to hear too. I can only imagine how much more difficult it was, you know, like you said, like 10 years ago, most people didn't really have that person in their life. I know when I, like it was 10 years ago when I first figured out what the deal was with vegetarianism and and much less what a vegan was i really didn't know anybody never met anybody before right i had to read a book to find out about it really right <laughs> but uh but yeah you're right today it's it's um i i you know i think we're finally moving on from the place where not too long ago it see it seemed to be sort of seen as a fringe movement yeah so to speak 
and and that's because you know of the the pioneers in health like you that are actually speaking up about the research that is available to us that's been around for a while that actually teaches uh you know what real nutrition is and how it impacts our health and it just so happens to not include animal products right yeah, I, I can recall I started in private practice after finishing cardiology fellowship in 2007. And when I would talk to my patients about eating plant-based, they would look, look at me like I had three heads. Um, and I get I get that far less now. Um, you know, one recent patient about a year ago, he had a heart attack. And I didn't feel like I had enough time to talk to him in the hospital because he just he did well. He got discharged. I did say, no, I want you to eat more plant-based. Well, he comes back to me in the office like two weeks later with his son and his son's like, yeah, um, I'm a vegan and he's eating plant-based and like, great. You, you did my work for me. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Do you find that, you know, what you probably go to medical conferences and you're probably, you know, interacting with other doctors in your field. Do you ever get into conversations about diet or is that, is that like a thing among doctors? Oh, all, all the time, all the time, you know, okay. and, and I get a certain amount of grief being a vegan, um, less so now than perhaps a few years ago, because people now yeah. understand why, but like I'll be sitting in the doctor's dining room and somebody will like look at what I mean and they'll be like, well, it's rabbit food. I'm like, no, it's, it's good, healthy stuff. You know, it's better than whatever the, the hospital cafeteria is serving, what, you know, processed meat or whatever. Oh, Unfortunately, it right. drives me crazy. Hospitals still just do not serve healthy food. As far as you know, is there anybody on the front lines trying to, to work that out as far as hospital food is concerned? I mean, like, the, you know, when people get sick off of the food that they eat and they end up in the hospital right. and they're fed literally the food that got them there in the first place. Yeah. Is anybody working on that? Yes. Yes. I know the American Medical Association has made some statements to the extent of that hospitals should be serving healthy food to not just patients, but to families, but how much that has come to fruition, at least the, my local hospitals, not so much yet. Um, yeah, I still have hospitals where I'll go to the doc to the, the cafeteria and there'll be like French fries and hamburgers and fried chicken and I'll just think to myself, Oh my god, I just you know, I just spent like ten minutes talking to a family about healthy eating and this is what the cafeteria mm -hmm. is serving. No, this is not my message. Right. So and, and then in addition to, you know, what hospitals are serving, uh, right. you know, it almost it almost seems like it's it's almost like a subliminal message like this food is still OK to eat. Right. Be because people do look for, you know, look to doctors and they look to, you know, the hospital to to learn how to to be healthy. Right. So where else are you seeing these mixed messages in our society today that really, you know, pisses you off? That's a good question. I mean, I'm thinking about like schools and yes, television. Yes, yes. So schools, and this is this is actually something that's been a hot topic in, in California. Um, school lunches tend not to be the healthiest of choices. And the reason for that is because the cheapest foods are animal foods. They're dairy, they're processed meat, they're chicken nuggets, they're hamburgers and pizza. Um, and unfortunately, fruits and vegetables are not subsidized, so they are more expensive. Now, my local um, California State Assemblyman, 
Andrew Nazarian has actually put forward a bill um, to try to bring healthier plant-based food options to schools in California. And this is something I've, I've been very proud to be involved with, along with um, social compassion and legislation and Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. So he's put forth a, a resolution that school districts be incentivized to provide plant-based meals not forced to but incentivized and in that they will get funding in order to help to afford to bring in plant-based meal options more fruits more vegetables and dairy alternatives because unfortunately at the current time if you want uh, a non-dairy milk um, you have to have a doctor's note which wow. i think is the, one of the most absurd things ever um, so hopefully with subsidies of plant-based options for meals, what we can do is we can get kids eating more plant-based meals in the school, which is where a lot of kids get the majority of their meals and help them to be healthier going forward. Mm -hmm. Because if, you, if you're eating fruits and vegetables and plant-based foods in school, you're getting exposure to them that you otherwise wouldn't get ex exposure to. And you start to like those foods and you grow up eating them and it's gonna eventually maybe put doctors like me out of business. <laughs> And that's a good point that you bring up right there too, because, um, I mean, as a cardiologist, it just seems to me like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you actually make a better living repairing people that have yeah. damage rather than reversal and prevention? Oh yeah. Um, I, I make a lot more money doing procedures and putting in stents, quite frankly, but that's, mm. that's not why I'm a cardiologist. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in this business because I want to help people. And yes, I do that work because I'm, people need it. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of bad habits that abound, a lot of smoking, a lot of lack of exercise, a lot of poor eating. So people still have heart attacks and strokes and heart disease is still the number one killer here in our country. Yeah. But I, I take solace in the fact that, you know, I can get those patients under my care and after we you know, put their stent in or whatever that we do, I can get them on the, the right path to being healthy for years to come. Yeah, very good. And I know since we were just talking about, you know, kids in schools and stuff, I mean, they're, they're, you know, currently eating all of these really rich animal derived foods right now, uh, very void of nutrition in the first place. So um, do you have any patients that once they, they get to you, right, and they have kids or, you know, grandkids, maybe, or some kids in their life that they look after, uh, do you find that they try to help the younger generation to bring them up to eat more fruits and vegetables and less of that processed nutritionally void stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I can think of one of my patients who I just saw this week. He's a gentleman who's in his early 40s who's obese, who has hypertension or elevated blood pressure. And he's got, he's got a 12 and a 13-year-old. And one of his incentives for eating better is that, first of all, his kids want him to be healthy and have, have said so, but they also have somewhat better eating habits than, than he does. And as a result, he's eating better and losing weight and controlling his blood pressure very much through his better lifestyle choices. That's really great. Awesome. So as we start to move along towards the end of our chat here, tell us a little bit about your practice in California and where people can find you and connect with you and, uh, and buy your book. Okay, great. Um, I have my own solo cardiology practice in Tarzana, California, which is um, in the San Fernando Valley, just to the north of Los Angeles proper. Um, I've 
been in my own practice for the past year and a half. And um, I've got a, a small office, um, a small staff. I'm very accessible. I am open to seeing new patients and welcoming new patients into my practice every day. Um, I can be found on social media. I do have a, a Facebook page for my practice, um, Dr. Heather Shankman. And I also am active on Twitter and on Instagram. And my handle on both of those is veganheartdoc. All right, Doc. It has been so amazing talking with you. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your wisdom and for injecting some motivation into some very concerned people, you know, as it relates to having a healthy heart and living a healthy lifestyle. So Dr. Heather Shankman, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. That was Dr. Heather Shankman, vegan cardiologist and author of the book, The Vegan Heart Doctor's Guide to Reversing Heart Disease, Losing Weight, and Reclaiming Your Life. You can find out more about her practice in California, as well as her book at drheathershankman.com. That's drheathershankman.com. You can also follow her on Instagram and on Twitter at veganheartdoc and on Facebook at Heather Shankman, MD. Reach out and let her know that you found her here on the Eating Like You Give a Damn podcast. Be sure to join our community of rebels in the Eating Like You Give a Damn Facebook group for recipes and support. Everyone there is at a different stage of learning and have various challenges while transitioning to better eating habits and kicking animal products to the curb. The members of the Eating Like You Give a Damn community are super helpful and compassionate and are waiting for you to share your ideas, questions, and vegan-friendly food discoveries with them too. So request to join this kick-ass group at eatinglikeyougiveadam.com forward slash group. In this world of podcasting, your reviews go a long way in helping more people to discover this show. So thank you so much for leaving your awesome review. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. New episodes release on Mondays to fuel your week with a plant-strong message. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Eating Like You Give a Damn, where I share podcast updates so you see what's coming next, as well as what I like to eat. That about wraps us up for today. So, until next time, veg on, rebels.